1: welcome to nothing impossible on st. Louis's news radio Kmox this is the show on KMOx where we discuss local innovation and technology and new approaches and we're certainly going to get into some technology and startups today some excellent entrepreneurs a whole panel of them are going to join us they're a part of the latest accelerator program in the st. Louis area we're gonna get the scoop on that and when we talk about what's next in st. Louis Travis uh, what What's next in terms of COVID and the economy?
2: Well,
3: yeah, you had a great opportunity this last week to uh, put a feature together looking at, you know, not just how COVID is shaping the economy nationally, but maybe some specific ways that St. Louis can, you know, rise from the ashes and 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 look at this as an opportunity to get more into the national spotlight for positive reasons.
1: Back up the moving trucks. COVID has sparked an economic upheaval. Is St. Louis ready to take advantage? It's not just working and socializing remotely or shopping from home. There's a great resettlement of business underway with corporations fleeing... California and New York for more often than not, Texas. We started the week with this news. Software giant Oracle announcing it's moving its corporate headquarters from California to Texas. Deep in the heart of Texas. It's not the first. From Toyota to Hewlett Packard, the Lone Star State is a popular new home. Which led us to ask CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger, what's the reason behind this? She says execs are saying, Hey, wait a second.
0: I don't have to worry about paying really sky high cost of living to have my employees in one place. I could have them in a place like St.
1: Louis with a good airport and life is fabulous. So, I'm, I'm bullish on St. Louis. But how does St. Louis make that case and stand out, especially against cities that have that cultural coolness like Austin, Texas?
0: You know, Austin deserves a lot of credit. They have worked in a very focused, collaborative way, for decades
1: but there's a new collaboration dropping in st louis soon a merger of several economic development groups into one called greater st louis inc jason hall is the ceo he says over the last 18 months st louis has been becoming more aggressive
0: as a result of organizing for that success we won 1400 jobs from accenture federal services last year 1400 new high-paying high-tech jobs we can repeat and scale that success. How? We tend to focus our efforts around those industry sectors where we think we have the highest probability of success. So think of geospatial, ag tech, being a couple of those industries where we are particularly um, uh, competitive. Advanced manufacturing, particularly competitive. Uh, so we do concentrate there. There, there are forums, industry trade shows, where you meet with those decision makers and you target those marketing uh, resources very effectively.
1: It's all in how you present yourself. First impressions, so we asked an expert.
4: I think a lot of people still find St. Louis and oftentimes the Midwest outside of Chicago to be somewhat of a mystery. And so therefore, it ends up becoming not necessarily uh, not a good or a bad thing, but it's just simply an unknown.
1: Aaron Perlett of downtown-based marketing firm Elasticity says people stick with what makes them comfortable. But if they are trying to Google outside of their comfort zone?
4: Left to their own devices, it's what you find in search. Search has become really the de facto game changer when it comes to crafting reputation today. Uh, and you know, you, you can talk to people, recruiters at companies around the region, and they'll tell you, that unfortunately they've lost uh, prospective hires because maybe a spouse gets online and, and Googles St. Louis and finds something that is
1: undesirable. A lot of regions, he says, don't take search as seriously as they should. Hall of Greater St. Louis says online narrative is about to become a bigger focus.
0: Of course, just a couple of years ago, we launched our regional narrative known as STL Made, and we focused internal to this market, building pride, making this community aware of uh, what we have to offer. We are going to be taking that story more national now. So you're going to see us really focusing on making sure Louis was a top of mind location in earning uh, media and targeting certain markets where we think we have the greatest uh, likelihood of success.
1: So what is the St. Louis selling point? CBS analyst Schlesinger says... Well, of course, you know that St. Louis has always been a great
0: hub of financial services. I think there are going to be a lot of other companies that look to a place like St. Louis, which has a very vibrant arts community,
1: which has a vibrant university community, which has a vibrant healthcare community. Marketer Perlet gives an example of a narrative created when Urbana-Champaign, Illinois was trying to attract software engineers engineers.
4: We really made an argument that there's a spirit of innovation that a lot of people are completely unaware of in Champaign-Urbana, and we turned it into kind of a catchy phrase we called you're welcome, as in a snarky you're welcome because we've developed all these innovations and a you are welcome to join us.
1: He agrees that collaboration, working together, is essential. He notes that when the region was all pulling behind the Accelerate St. Louis initiative last decade... Quickly becoming the epicenter of technology and innovation. It was dubbed fastest growing startup city and saw a 256% increase in venture capital investment.
4: There is opportunity if you shape the narrative effectively.
1: We just had a good result for those Google searches St. Louis named on entrepreneur.com as the number one city in the Heartland to lead the next century of American innovation. Hall says
0: they point out that we've been building towards this for decades, which I think is a reminder that when this region thinks long term, thinks boldly, um, and follows through on its commitment, we accomplish big Oops.
1: And CBS's Schlesinger, from her perch in New York, is optimistic. I'm bullish on
0: St. Louis. I mean, I have to say, I think it's going to be a really interesting time for some of the, let's call it, sort of the we used to call them tertiary cities, but let's just call it like smaller to mid-middle um, range cities. They're going to see a lot of action. Let's see how things shuffle up, but I think you're, I think things are good. I'm feeling bright for St. Louis.
3: Yeah. Okay. So there's there's one thing I wanted to point out. There has been so much talk about this online narrative, and I get it. Things show up in search, but you know maybe I'm a contrarian, and I'll go against the the guru from time to time. But I think until we improve the on ground reality, we're not going to change the online narrative. Doesn't matter how many dollars we push toward search engine optimization, uh, and and really the, the rest of today's show talking to some of these entrepreneurs, uh, especially those from uh, underrepresented groups. They are actively trying to change the on-ground reality.
1: Yeah, Travis, do you think that when these lists come out and there's a pushback and people say, well, that's not accurate because of uh, you know, whatever the reason is, for instance, if it's crime, they'll say it's because of our city-county divide and the way that the FBI counts the stats. But that, does that discount, do you think, the fact that crime is an issue in the city of St. Louis and it's a quality of life issue for a lot of people who live here?
3: I mean, it absolutely is. I think any list that comes out, if it's a positive list, people will push back and say, we uh, we really don't deserve it. If it's a negative list, people will push back and raise evidence of saying that's not true. We should be higher. We should be better. Uh, we're all, I mean, those lists, they're maybe they're clickbait. I don't know. Uh, they also get the conversation going. And and I, I think that, you know, conversation is good. Conversation can lead to action.
1: Yeah, what do you think is going to lead to action here, especially in the last week when we heard about the Centene CEO, uh, again, uh, in terms of his dissatisfaction with the response from leaders and learning that their headquarters expansion is now on hold?
3: Well, that was, you know, they, they're really, uh, Centene is already reshaping what Clayton looks like, uh, tearing down some buildings, planning to put up some buildings, and now there's some empty lots. And one of the things that I find interesting, I saw this uh, on—I think it was on Twitter—that if you take, you know, property crime per hundred thousand, Charlotte is actually a little bit worse than St. Louis. So this argument of needing to leave St. Louis due to crime, statistically, actually, Charlotte's not that much better.
1: So what do you think, Travis? Is we—I mean, so many companies are leaving California, some are leaving New York and other states too, and they're going. It seems like to Texas. What do you think? What do you think St. Louis needs to do to maybe put it put itself out there and say, "No, we're a good option too." You don't all have to go to Dallas and Austin.
3: Well, I look as a as a Californian during the last <laughs> during the last economic downturn, I fled California and landed in St. Louis. I think some of the things that people need to do, uh, what St. Louis needs to do, is invite more people in to take a look at it. Yes, we're going to, and and also let's not hide the warts, right? We have some imperfections. Let's, we can make those apparent. That's fine. We don't need to try to sweep it under the rug. Uh, but I, I think we need more people experiencing St. Louis. When people come here, see our wonderful parks like Forest Park, our wonderful amenities, uh, follow the St. Louis University basketball team, men's basketball team, which is doing great. Like they see that this has the big city amenities with some small town ease.
1: And speaking of some of the great things that are happening and the people who are really driving awesome stuff in St. Louis, we're going to talk with a bunch of them coming up next. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio,
2: KMOX.
1: Welcome back to our conversation about St. Louis innovation, new ways of approaching things. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan with you. And let's talk about the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator, which is the latest thing to come out of UMSL Accelerate. And we're happy to be joined by... A slew of people on our Zoom call for this uh, edition of Nothing Impossible. We've got Monique Bynum, who's the executive director of the Accelerator. Dan Lauer, who's the founding executive director of Umzil Accelerate, and some startup founders. We've got Michelle Robinson from Demi Blue Natural Nails and Creative, Tyrene Heru Lewis of Heru Urban Farming, and Akeem Shannon of Flipstick. Thank you all so much for joining us today.
5: Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for
3: having
6: us. Thank you.
3: Well, it's so great to have a, a virtual full house. Uh, first of all, congratulations to all the winners. Uh, I, I I don't really like calling it winning because it seems like it was a a competition that involved luck. Congratulations on the investment because you have investment-worthy businesses. Uh, Monique, why don't we start with you specifically for this program? Can you can you set the stage for us? What did uh, these folks go through, and what did they what they secure? <laughs> well,
7: you know, I think they would agree, and I don't know if we intentional intentionally set out for it to be uh, pretty vigorous, but, um, you know, it, it, it was really an opportunity for people to go through the application process, and I think most would agree that coming out of it, they learned even more about their business. I think the application process even challenged them to question, hey, Why am I doing this this way? Or what is my actual revenue stream? So it was tough, admittedly so. The application process was tough. But from there, um, you know, we we narrowed it down from those 400 plus applicants down to about 60 or so, and then narrowed it down even further to those top 16. But leading up to the application process, which I think was, uh, I'm glad we did this, we held several. Information sessions. We allowed us to go through some of the application with people, a talk through with them what to expect. So we really did try to help prepare people for the application process because we knew that it wouldn't be
3: easy. Well, and I, I often think that, uh, like you said, uh, Monique, the the process is is good for the business as well. So why don't we jump into a couple of the businesses that are represented, some of the entrepreneurs. Uh, Michelle Robinson, why don't we start with you? Demi Blue, Natural Nails and Creative. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your business and what you thought of this process. And again, congratulations specifically to you.
6: Absolutely. Thank you again. Um, So, yeah, I am Michelle Robinson. I am the owner of Demi Blue Natural Nails and the creator behind the Demi Blue Vegan Friendly Nail Polish Collection. Um, What our business does is we offer women healthier manicuring services coupled with healthier nail polish products that are um, traditionally linked to cancers. And so um, this opportunity for us was it, it, it definitely was. Um, vigorous, as Monique stated, it gave us an opportunity to really look into our business. And, you know, are we a scaling business? Do we have the ability to scale in St. Louis? And is this business something that is viable and um, something that our customers will continue to patronize? And um, it really helps with an understanding of the overall a business component so yeah it was it was tough
1: <laughs> and michelle you've got 18 years working in healthcare and education but what was it that led you to say i want to do my own thing now i want to start my own business i want to get into what my passion is what was it that led to this moment
6: absolutely so uh it was my mom's experience with cancer that actually led me to into entrepreneurship amongst a few other things i mean corporate america um you know, it was it was a tough industry to be in, um, but um, after ex- my mom's experience with cancer and having an understanding of how certain chemicals impact the body, um, I wanted to invest my time and energy into really making an impact in the community with my own business, and I felt that that was the best way to do it—to transition. 100 percent given those 12 and 14 hours that I normally worked in corporate America (laughs) into my own business and to really make an impact with what I do in the community. Michelle, I'm a
3: little bit torn because uh, you talked a little bit about the ability for Demi Blue to scale and then some of the things you learned while you were in corporate America. Won't Demi Blue be part of corporate America as it continues to scale? And how would you do things differently? How are you going to do things differently than maybe what you observed when you were part of traditional corporate America?
6: Well, I think um, one of the, the key components for me um, in my business is continuing to educate, um, you know, educating the community about their options and their choices and giving people an opportunity to learn from me and then to provide them opportunities to maybe work with me and become an entrepreneur themselves.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more about Demi Blue Natural Nails and Creative, the products and what's, I guess, what's uh, what you use to make them and then what you don't use, which is pretty important?
6: Oh, absolutely. So the nail polish um, collection, again, was stemmed from my mom's experience with cancer. Um, conventional nail polishes contain uh, chemicals that have been uh, linked to cancers and developmental defects, especially uh, the toxic trio. That's a few of the chemicals that the beauty industry has warned us about. That's formaldehyde and toluene and DBP. Those chemicals are used as hardeners in conventional nail polishes. They're used to smooth the nail polish and to soften the nails as they are uh, in the drying process. And those chemicals have been linked to cancers. And so um, we've been able to partner with a manufacturing company that allows us to customize and create a product as that does not have those chemicals.
3: That's great. Again, congratulations. Uh, let, let's shift a little bit because I think when we talk about things we put on our body, uh, things such as uh, nail polish and whatnot, let's talk a little bit about things we put in our body. uh, hey Roo, uh let's talk a little bit about Heyru Urban Farming. Tell us a little bit about uh, what your business is and what you learned through this process.
2: All right, yeah, so uh, my name's Ty- uh, Tyran Lewis. Um, I'm a owner and a uh, founder of Heyru Urban Farming. Um, we started back in 2018, uh, basically what we do is we, we provide sustainable, healthy food choices for, for those who need the most. So we're talking about food, desert communities, and um, uh, I think it's important for us to, um, to bring that to our community and to the state in general. Um, you know, um, most of our produce uh, comes from 12,000 miles away, um, you know, from, from, from the coast, you know, down south of the west coast, um, less than 1% of our crops grown in Missouri. Um, actually stays in Missouri because most of it of uh, it is used for um, animal feed or food processing. So that that's where I come into play at, to bring sustainability um, d- um, to my community. And uh, for this process, it was strenuous. Uh, uh, fortunately, I had um, previous to this um, accelerator, I was involved in WePower. So uh, WePower got pretty much got me prepared for uh, you know keep my finances in track and knowing what to look for and things that um, most startups are. Um, not i guess um take advantage of or recognize so they gave me that opportunity so uh, so I was prepared from that situation but um but like, like like again all situations are different and i believe um it was extremely is the one thing that is different about this this situation is uh, just all the access we have to um i guess the um type, like, like right now the radio stations and all the interviews and things of that nature so just getting comfortable and used to that.
1: Yeah, and as I take a look at the description for Heru Urban Farming, I think about myself as somebody who's maybe tried to do some gardening in the backyard. Hasn't been all that successful, and it seems like, you know, getting started, getting over that hurdle is uh, the biggest challenge, and you provide cooking classes, hands-on training. Uh, it seems like all sorts of education for this.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, yes, uh, so this year with COVID, uh, I, only had, I only did like a couple of um, um, teaching um Demonstrations or whatnot, but yeah, I try to implement everything so, um, so I'm trying to think, um, uh, give an innovative look at it so, not just growing food, it's a spiritual aspect to it as well. So, you know, uh, for example, we do things, uh, um, gardening, garden yoga, uh, we might, uh, like I said, we have different organizations that come over and I teach them the importance of growing uh, nutritious food, how to cook the food. Because one of the problems is, um, sometimes in the city, we are not exposed. To all the different varieties of food for, for all different varieties of reasons, and um, and I think um, in order to educate the people, we also got to teach them on um, how how to cook it in different ways to cook it as well, so they can enjoy it.
3: You know, Hey, that's that's a really critical uh, point you mentioned. Uh, I've I've gone to a lot of farmers markets, and I see produce that I'm not familiar with. Maybe it's kale. Maybe there there's parsnips or turnips or you know things that look foreign to me and i would in the past have avoided buying them because i don't i know it's healthy but how do i prepare it uh tell us a little bit about a little bit more about how you're trying to close that gap
2: yeah so um so i'm, I'm closing that gap uh, basically um, uh like like when i first started i had a location um here in the inner city so um so like when I started, I, I really just was just growing food for myself actually, and then people in the community started asking questions about you know what I'm growing, what I'm doing. And uh, at first, I didn't know anybody over here for my first three years. So I started growing that brought kind of you know the community together. So I asked me questions, more people communicate with each other. You know they ask questions about you know what's that for example zucchini. You know I didn't I didn't grow up eating zucchini, so I introduced that. You know I tell them how to you know different ways you can saute it and prepare it, and um, and it's not just even um, the food itself. It is a, a sense of togetherness, you know, of community, uh, you know, just something small is just growing food, you know, and uh, you just, you know, a- everybody eats. So that's, a, so that's the relatability right there. And, you know, you can start conversations from, um, you know, from um, improving in the community. Um, I had an opportunity to hire two people that's, that, that, that lives in this community. So, so you, so you're employing people over here and um, yeah, just a, all together sustainability from, from food, to community togetherness, to economic um, uh, sustainability and all that.
1: That's great. Food is the great connector. That's Tyreen Heru-Lewis of Heru Urban Farming. We also just talked with uh, Michelle Robinson of Demi Blue Natural Nails and Creative. We're talking about the Diversity and Equity and Inclusion Accelerator from Umzil Accelerate. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Akeem Shannon from Startup Flipstick. You may have seen him on your television recently. That's when we return on Nothing Impossible. Right after this on KMOX. Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's News Radio,
2: KMOX.
3: All right, this uh, this show we're really digging into some of the startups that were part of the recent Umful, uh Equity Indi- uh, Equity Accelerator and. Uh, we, we spoke last segment a little bit about farming, a little bit about some beauty product, uh, specifically nail. Uh, and now we're going to talk about something that, because uh, maybe you don't wear nail polish, I understand that. Uh, maybe you don't have a green thumb, uh, but you probably carry, uh, and you don't grow your own stuff, uh, so maybe you uh, do carry a, a cell phone, though. And. You probably have a smartphone and you might need a flip stick. Akeem Shannon, uh, the inventor of flip stick, is joining us now. Also another awardee uh, from the UMSL program. Akeem, thanks for joining us.
5: Thanks for having me. You know, it's actually good to be back on X uh, The funny thing is you all were the first people to ever give us any media promo going back almost three years ago. When we were on our Kickstarter, we had just a couple hundred dollars in sales, so uh, it's definitely good to be back.
3: Well, and I got my flip stick through that kips, uh, quick, uh, Kickstarter, so uh, it's always nice to be an early adopter of, of St. Louis Innovations. Uh, yeah, so it how's was... it been in the last three years? Anything new happening?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot new. I mean, you know, we're incredibly grateful to be a part of the Umsol Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator, You know, the inaugural class. Uh, You know, it it seems like ages ago, last time, you know, I was uh, in the studio back, you know, this was way pre-COVID, but yeah, this year, despite COVID, has been incredible for us. Um, You know, we've won a couple of different grant programs, which has been super exciting. Uh, And in addition to that, we were just featured on Shark Tank on ABC uh, early November, uh, which has just been an incredible boost to our business. We've had our best holiday season ever. Uh, you know, prior we were struggling on e-commerce, we were very heavily invested locally in the malls and retail. Uh, and so now we've completely transitioned online and we're seeing a lot of success and growing. And, and you know, because of Umster's program, we actually just brought on a new hire just Monday. So uh, it, it's been a very exciting year for us, despite all, you know, all, all of the circumstances.
1: Yeah, Akeem, I remember doing stories about the We the People store with all items from online startups at West County Center, uh, and Flipstick was a part of that retail experience. But as you talk about that transition, knowing when to go from this distribution method to another, what was it that was the enlightening moment for you? you, How do you figure out when to make a big decision like that for your business?
5: So, you know, we had been trying to move into e-commerce really from the very beginning. Uh, my background was in cell phone retail stores uh, and uh, and business-to-business sales. And so that's what I knew. I didn't know e-commerce. And that's why, you know, we relied on the retail experience. We had a lot of success with We the People out at West County Mall. We had our own kiosk at the Galleria Mall. But I knew that that wasn't sustainable or scalable. And so really... You know, necessity is the mother of invention. And so when COVID hit, those sales channels disappeared. You know, they were completely gone It went from almost all of our sales to zero sales. In addition to that, our business to business sales, where we do custom flip sticks uh, for businesses, when they can put their logo on the back of people's phones, you know, that also went to zero because now there was no events happening. There was no conventions happening. So the only avenue, the one that we knew we had to address was e-commerce and starting early this year back in february i had auditioned to go on chart tank and we were moving through the process so we knew that was coming down the line so we boosted up our our web presence uh and we kind of just got ready and you know brought on some really good partners to help us with advertising and and kind of just get us into a good space to be able to scale there uh and, and i'm proud to say that now you know the vast majority of our sales are coming from e-commerce so um it was, it was a long, tra- it's a long uh, road to get to the transition. You know, It took us about two and a half years, but now we definitely feel that we're in a good space.
3: Well, for those that aren't familiar with Flipstick, do you want to describe the product a little bit and uh, talk about its connection to some NASA technology?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So Flipstick is a very thin device. It goes on the back of your phone, and one, it functions as a kickstand. So you can use it to prop up your phone, watch your favorite YouTube video, Netflix, all that good stuff. But two, our technology, which we call synthetic CT, is based off the foot of a gecko. And essentially, it lets you stick your phone to virtually any flat surface. So when you're in the car, you can stick it to your for GPS. If you're on a long-haul plane ride, when those happen again, you can stick it to the back seat to watch your favorite show or just to take a family photo. Uh, when we're all back together again, you can stick it to the wall. So it has lots of uses. I use mine in the kitchen while I'm cooking. Uh, you know, all over the house you can use your flipstick. And you mentioned we do have a pretty interesting NASA connection. The way I actually came up with the flipstick product was I had just left my job. I was doing marketing and I was on the phone about three o'clock in the morning with my uncle, who is an engineer at NASA. And he's telling me about a project he's working on. He was gonna use this if he's that NASA had researched in the 70s to mount these wires behind this paneling. And I had a lot of trouble mounting my TV on the wall for the past couple of weeks prior. So I said, man, I got to get my hand on some of this adhesive. And while the TV was a far-fetched idea, I said, you know what? A phone, I think it could work. And from there, I taught myself to write a patent, YouTube videos, wrote trademarks, found manufacturers in China, and eventually launched our Kickstarter Uh, And and the rest was history. And that was early 2018.
1: That's awesome. We're talking with Akeem Shannon of Flipstick, one of the latest members of the cohort from the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Accelerator, the inaugural cohort from that from Umzil Accelerate. And Akeem, what did the Sharks think of this when you were on ABC.
5: So yeah, they they definitely were tickled. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, I come out in a breakaway spacesuit and do a wrap. So as you can imagine, they were uh, they they enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, we it, it got a little rough. Uh, you know, there's some rough waters there. We got offers, we got offers taken away, but ultimately uh, they all liked it, uh, and it was really an incredible experience through and through. Uh, the most nerve-wracking experience of my life, but a very successful a- a- experience as well. Now, uh, did, did the Sharks invest? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, sorry to spoil it for those who haven't seen it, but we <laughs> did get an investment from Lori, uh, which is incredible. She was exactly who I wanted to go into the partnership with. Uh, so, we we're super excited there. But what really makes getting uh involved with an organization like umso and you know winning something like the diversity inclusion accelerator a lot of times when you have investors that come in you know they have things in place where they may want to take your business out of wherever you're doing it and and do it somewhere where it may be you know they consider more efficient especially when they have a lot of experience and so you know having one you know not one but two St. Louis-based accelerators has allowed us to say, hey, no, this is where we belong and we're able to create jobs here in St. Louis. So we're incredibly grateful to the St. Louis community for you know really helping us stay here in St. Louis, helping us grow in St. Louis, um, because that was always important to me. You know, I was born and raised here and I want to grow my business here. And I want to you know continue to be involved with the students that I have working for me here in St. Louis and, and kind of just see this thing grow here as a hometown story.
1: Yeah, Keem, what's the reaction you get, whether it's from the Sharks or anybody else in the community, when you say that you're from St. Louis? And maybe you even go into depth about the resources and and how great it is to be here with the ecosystem. But what do people who aren't familiar with St. Louis think when you tell them that you're here, your startup's here, and it's a great place to be?
5: Where is St. Louis? (laughs) (laughs) You'd be surprised how many people are confused. Uh, So, you know, a lot of people don't realize the you know what we have accessibility to here you know a lot of people always say st louis is a big little town and that's really what it is there's a lot of resources here and you know we honestly weren't able to tap into a lot of those uh you know really prior to this year i would say uh but having access to you know players like Umsel have, are going to allow us to really get into the rooms with the right people so that we're talking with those right people. Because really St. Louis is a town where it's all about who you know. And so as you're able to network, you're able to to make a lot of things happen. Um, you know, I'm already, I've already had people reach out just from uh, our live stream that we had with UMSL that, you know, wanted to, uh, you know, that wanted to come and, and, and purchase flip sticks for their business. And they're going to give away as corporate gifts, not as, you know, for an event. So You know, it's 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 in St. Louis. It's what you make of it. You know, I used to think that I was going to have to leave St. Louis and go somewhere else to be successful, because that's what I had heard, especially as a minority owned black owned business. You know, you hear it a lot where it's, you know, it's just you can't make it here. And I think that especially with all the things that have happened this year, uh, we're seeing a shift and we're seeing the investment happen. And so, you know, that's why I'm thankful to both Monique and Dan for really saying, like, hey, you know, it's not enough just to give people classes or courses. You know, people need investment, Um, businesses need money to grow. And honestly, I I think it's going to change the landscape for diverse businesses in St. Louis.
3: Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and wrap up the show talking with uh, Monique Bynum and Dan Lauer about the UMSL program a little bit more, specifically uh, some stats, uh, what the program entails. So stick around for more Nothing Impossible right after this.
1: Welcome back to Nothing Impossible on St. Louis's news radio, KMOX. Welcome back, Michael and Travis, with you as we continue talking about the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator, a new program from Umsol Accelerate and some other firms in the St. Louis area. We've been talking with some great startups in the St. Louis metro who've taken advantage of this Demi Blue, Natural Nails and Creative, Michelle Robinson with us, Tyrene Heru Lewis of Heru Urban Farming, and Akeem Shannon from Florida. Lipstick. We've been talking with them, but let's go back to Monique Bynum and Dan Lauer. Monique's the executive director of the program. Dan's the founding executive director of Umzil Accelerate. And Monique, I'm really interested in as we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. How did you come out in terms of uh, you know the ages, the genders, the races? Who who did uh, you get involved in this program? Yeah,
7: so we we had a really great um, diverse. Yeah, it was, it was really great to see just the diversity of applicants is, is what I'm saying. So of those, you know, 437 applicants that applied, it was really about half and half on gender. About 57% of them were female, about 41% were male. Um, in terms of age range, it was really split as well, about 20, 20% across 18 to 30, another 22% or so across 31 to 40, and another 23%, 41 to 50, so diversity in age as well. In terms of you know, race and ethnicity, 83% of the applicants were black and 3% were Hispanic, 8% white, and 5% um, who did not disclose, and then we had about 7% who were in the other category. There was also diversity in industry. We had retail and social enterprise, food and beverage, ad tech, wearables. So there was just diversity across the entire application
5: pool.
3: Well, The the idea of diversity of industry is great. I mean, the the three uh, entrepreneurs you have with us uh, on this show, we have, you know, the uh, beauty, uh, industry, uh, accessory for your phone and then food. Uh, Dan, in, in previous iterations of some of, El, uh, UMSL's programs, I, I think back to the Ameren accelerator, which was very focused on clean energy. Uh, how important is it to maybe broaden the industry category a bit, but be hyper-focused on
8: uh, equity and inclusion this time? I think it's critical, you know, as a leader yourself, Travis, in this um, ecosystem, we're all very proud of what St. Louis is doing, but Akeem said it best. One thing we haven't said is each of these founders are getting $50,000 equity-free. And I think that access to early stage capital for underrepresented minority founders is the crucial piece. There's great programs here in town. There's great collaborators and mentors and connectors. But few of us have the rich uncle. Few of us have that early access to tease it out, to prove it out, be right at revenue and then scale to the next milestone. So thanks to Ameren, thanks to Edward Jones, thanks to Express Scripts and a bevy of anonymous donors that said, yes, let's give this pilot a test to see if this is actually good economic development policy.
1: And, Monique and Dan, I'm wondering if um, when you take a look at the applications, do they come from mostly in the St. Louis region or from outside? And and do you look at this as an opportunity to uh, – we talk about the perception of St. Louis a lot, certainly um, a lot of issues there, but when it comes to the, the lived experience too, changing that for startup founders uh, in St. Louis, um, what, what have you seen in terms of changing that and in terms of the perception from outside?
7: Well, you know, we to, to answer the first part of that question, we did see um, a lot of uh, applications from all over the region. So one of the mandates that we did set, in terms of you know, who, quote unquote, who could apply, we did say that it had to be within the St. Louis 16 county region, both in Missouri and Illinois. And so, you know, the perception is that there are the, what we found, especially when we got down to trying to narrow down the application pool, it was just very, very apparent to us that there is talent here in St. Louis. There is talent in St. Louis. You don't need to go to the West Coast or or to uh, to the East Coast to find talent because we saw not only the quantity in application, but the true quality in those applications. So um, I think that was important for especially our funders to know there is a need here, number one, and then number two, there is talent here. And so our goal and our hope is that next year we'll be able to fund even more because we know that the talent is here and we know that the need is absolutely here.
3: Tell us about you know, what the uh, what the winners, what the startups uh, what's the program like? What kind of support is around
8: them during this time?
7: Yeah, yeah. And Dan, do you want to take that one? I feel like I've cut
8: you off now. Oh, no <laughs> I, I think you know, so Umso's mission is to be a beacon of hope and a convener. And business programs are actually classrooms and syllabuses. So this is actually a mashup of an accelerator meets a capstone. And so what's going to happen to these founders is they're going to go through a best-in-class eight-week program where we're going to leverage the strengths of the university and the ecosystem. So each one of them is going to get a paid intern that's going to work for them. We're going to socialize this with all of our faculty to see if there's any amplification with grants or further research. We're going to have every one of our alums take a look at this and say, hey, can we find a connection? Can we find a mentor? Can we find an introduction to a potential customer? But in addition to the great ecosystem, we had um, uh, the, all the usual su- suspects from Arts Grants to Accelerators to um, I-10 all help with the vetting process. As, as Monique alluded to, we had no idea we were going to get over 400 applications. And to vet those down with all this diverse um, solutions and different industry verticals, we have to rely on a lot of folks. You can't do it all. So it was really a coming together. So these six founders are, or, you know, we're, we're doing a, we're doing a little event today to kind of kick it off and they're in for a, they're in for a ride and we hope they're, they're, you know, 90% is showing up and we think they'll show up and we think we want to get them past the next milestone or two or three.
1: Well, can't wait to see what they do in the future, whether it's a, a big product launch or an exit or follow-on investment from the many opportunities that we have in the St. Louis Metro. Dan Lauer, Umsel Accelerate. Monique Bynum, Executive Director of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator. Thank you so much. And also thank you to Michelle Robinson from Demi Blue Natural Nails and Creative, Akeem Shannon from Flipstick, and Tyrene Heru-Lewis from Heru Urban Farming. Thank you all so much.
7: Thank you. Thank you Thank for you having
0: for us. having
3: thank us. Thank you.
1: And thank you for joining us for this edition of Nothing Impossible.
3: Tune in next week for more stories about innovation in St. Louis. Tune in is the
0: audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
2: clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word.